We're studying the book of Proverbs this month. Proverbs is a book of wisdom in the Bible. If you open the Bible right in the middle, you'll probably be in Proverbs in the Old Testament. It's this book to teach us how to live wisely and make life work. And there's a couple of Proverbs in there that have me as a talker squirming. I wanted to share them with you to see if I could get any other talkers to join in my misery. So Proverbs 10.19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 17.28 says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent, discerning if he holds his tongue. Well, I guess at least the solution is easy. You and I just have to stop talking. Just zip it. And that should, that should fix everything. Become like those elderly people sitting at the edge of the conversation at the family picnic. If you and I would talk less, we would annoy people less. We would get into trouble less. We would lie less. We would gossip less, flatter and one-up people less, and generally make a fool of ourselves less. Except it's just not that easy, is it? Being quiet isn't the be-all, end-all either. First reason why a vow of silence today isn't going to solve it all is because there's a fine line between quiet and hidden. I was in a small group, a couple of small groups. Each one had the quiet guy in it. Have you ever been in a group with these guys? They can sit there for two years every week and say nothing. And we used to even say, they must be really wise. I bet there's deep thoughts swirling around in there. And someday they're going to open their mouth and say something that's going to blow us all away. Uh, well, I was right, but not what we thought. Both of these guys separately lost their marriages. Both had wild, secret lives. One of them was abusing his wife. The other's secret life was so gross that I can't even talk about it. One lost two houses, two cars, and abandoned five children. That wasn't wisdom swirling on beyond that silence. It was just hiddenness. They were quiet fools. Proverbs 17, 28 said, Even a fool is thought-wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. It didn't say they were wise, just say at least they'd have a chance of being mistaken for a wise person. The other problem with leaving today's message with a vow of silence is that sometimes there are things that ought to be said. Bill Hybels wrote a book on the Proverbs that's very good. I wanted to share with you a couple of stories he shares about Silence. He writes, I have a friend who is slowly destroying himself with alcohol. It's a medical fact. His mind and body are slowly caving in because of his years of alcohol abuse. This deeply grieves me. Yet in the history of our seven-year friendship, I have only once, three years ago, summoned the courage to tell him the truth about his addiction. Every month, his situation gets worse. Soon, his life will be hanging in the balance. Why do I stay silent? Why do I hold back the truth? I have another friend whose parenting style is slowly destroying his oldest child. The father is a high control person who's determined to turn his 16-year-old son into a star athlete, but the kid isn't interested in athletics. Anyone except his father, apparently, can see his passion and talent for writing and performing music. Predictably, the father-son relationship is deter deteriorating month by month. 
The dad keeps adding athletic pressure. The son keeps drifting deeper into isolation. Why haven't I told the truth to this dad? Why haven't I carefully described what I discern about the wiring pattern of his son and about the destructive patterns of control I see in the family? I've proven my love and respect for my friend in many ways during the years of our friendship. He knows I have his and his family's best interest at heart, yet I'm afraid to speak the truth. What's wrong with me? If those illustrations aren't painful enough for me to admit, here's another one. Recently, I became acquainted with a man who is genuinely one of the kindest, most fair-minded men I have ever met. We've had numerous conversations about everything under the sun, and I have thoroughly enjoyed every one. But to date, I have not had the courage to tell him about the most important truth in life, that God loves him and has opened heaven's doors to him because of Christ's death on his behalf. He told me that he has never attended a church and has no spiritual background, yet I have not shared with him even the most basic truths of the gospel of grace. What is the matter with me? I think what's the matter with us in our talking and in our silence is that it is all about us. So much of the, the way we pick when we'll talk and the way we pick when we'll be silent is when we're looking out for number one. When we think it will benefit us or make us look smart, we will talk. Even if it hurts someone else, we will talk. And if we think it might hurt us, we will be silent. Even if our words might help someone, we'll be silent to protect ourselves. Words are a powerful tool and they should be uttered with care. The wisdom we have to learn this morning is the difference between can talk and should talk. All this reminds me of a conversation I had with my dad years ago when I was in sixth grade. I came home from school. I was new to the school. I said, Dad, they called me a nerd. He said, you know, you're the new kid. That always happens in a new kid. Just give it a few months and you'll fit in. By Christmas, I was coming home crying. I said, Dad, all the other kids make fun of me. When I raise my hand to answer a question, the kid behind me starts going, tech, 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 like a clock. But he's saying tech, like techno nerd. That's what they call me. My dad says, when a teacher asks a question, do you like instantly pop your hand up, like call on me, call on me? Yeah, I know the answer. He said, do you do that for every single question? Yeah, I know every single answer. He said, why don't you wait and give someone else a chance to show what they might know? And why don't you do it about every third question? You don't have to show that you know every single answer. I thought he was giving me the dumbest advice I had ever heard in my life. If I know the answer, I want credit for it. If other people in the room want to pretend to be stupider than they really are in order to be cool, they can do that. I'm not doing that. I'm getting credit. Unfortunately, it took me 25 years after that to learn the lesson he was trying to get across for, to me, which is, you'll get smarter by listening than talking. Believe it or not, someone else in the room might have something to say that even me and my infinite brilliance could learn from if I would give them a chance to get a word in edgewise. 
to learn the difference between can talk and should talk was what my dad was trying to show me. So you go back to that classroom and the teachers ask the question and they're standing up there waiting, waiting, waiting. They're starting to lose heart that no one in the class is learning anything. If you haven't also answered the previous five questions, then go ahead and put your hand up and you should answer. It'll get the class moving again. It'll encourage the teacher and there's points for participation. You should, as long as you haven't been dominating the thing up to that point. If you're at Christmas dinner and everyone's sharing stories from the past, catching up on what's happening in the last year, remembering old times, and then there's a lull in the conversation. A hole opens up. If you haven't just finished a story about your dog's surgery that took you 25 minutes to tell, then you should jump in at this point and share your story. Everyone would like to hear something that happened to you too. After all, we're all catching up. As long as you haven't been the primary speaker at Christmas dinner, go ahead, you should talk. If your friend trusts you, and you've helped each other in the past, and your friend tells you they're thinking about taking out a home equity loan in order to pay off their credit cards. If you also haven't spent the last month telling them every day, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, that this might be a moment to say, you're doing it wrong, don't do that, that's a crazy plan. If you haven't been all over them all leading up to this, this is a moment you should talk, you'll save them from disaster. I thought that by talking, I was amusing people, I was educating people, I was correcting their errors. Now I know I was only revealing my own arrogance and stupidity. I was revealing myself a fool. The good news is that in the book of Proverbs, in the Hebrew, there are five different types of fools. Uh, sometimes your English translations will give them different names, the simpleton, the mocker, the arrogant, the good news is that four out of the five fools, there's hope they can be changed. Some are changed by sitting at the feet of the wise. Some are changed by just getting a little older. Some are changed by discipline. Some are changed by pain. There's just that one, the mocker, that there's no hope for. And Proverbs says, forget it, you're wasting your time. So let us hope that we are one of the four types of fools, not fool number five. You have an 80% chance, if you're a fool, that wisdom can save you. <laughs> Four out of five of us fools can learn the difference between can talk and should talk, and we can be made wise, and we can be saved. And I got my black belt test in babbling this past October in New Mexico. Pastor Dan, Pastor Marta, some of you from the con con congregation, and some other pastors, about 12 of us, we pooled together our money, we got planes, we got retreat center, we went to New Mexico to hear a speaker. Two days of lecture, just 12 of us though. What a great setting that was. This person is the author of dozens of books, innumerable lectures, videos. In fact, there's a bookstore in this retreat center entirely populated by just this one person's works. PhD, Catholic scholar. And over the course of his lecture, he said something about the Old Testament book of Leviticus that I did not agree with. He implied that the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament was less the word of God than the other 65 books. And welling up in me is the desire to put my hand up and argue this point. But in a moment of grace, I looked around and remembered, and I think it was actually only because I was doing the pre-work for this sermon, to be quite honest, 
Um, in a moment of grace, I remembered words are powerful and they should be uttered with care and thought. And so I began this argument, silent argument with myself while this speaker is going on. On the one side, I was saying, look, there are a dozen people in this cat classroom. Do you think that they pooled together their money, got on airplanes, slept in uncomfortable beds in order to come down here and hear my thoughts on Leviticus? Probably not. But on the other hand, this is, might be false teaching. What if everyone here believes this person and their view of scripture is weakened and somebody ought to stand up for the word of God? On the other hand, I'm a 40-year-old father of two, which is distracting from the study that I could do. I have a master's degree, which is something, but not everything. And one time years ago, I spent two months studying the book of Leviticus. Whereas this speaker is a 70-year-old Catholic priest, he's written his thoughts in Leviticus into books that have been read and responded to by thousands of people, many of them scholars. He's taught this in classes full of theology students. He's taken a vow of poverty and a vow of celibacy in order to focus on the teachings of the Bible. Am I really going to walk in here now and say something he's never heard before? I'm going to put my hand up and talk and he's going to go, Thank you, Protestant guy with 60 days of hard-earned knowledge about Leviticus. I never thought of that. <laughs> Probably not. I decided to keep my mouth shut because Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. Later that afternoon, we left the retreat center. We went out to dinner. And we went around the table and everyone was talking about how much they loved what the speaker had to say. Except that part about Leviticus. Yeah, everyone already knew. They already thought what I thought. They just kept silent and learned what there was to learn. And there was a lot to learn. I did learn life-changing things in those two days of lectures. And I thank God I had not opened my mouth and exposed myself a fool, wasting everyone's time with something they already knew. Any fool can talk, but should you talk? Our prayer is this morning, Lord, teach us the difference between can talk and should talk. There is such a thing as should talk. Let's close today with some Proverbs about the should talk. Moments. Proverbs 24, 26, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You can tell people the truth in a way that'll help them and in a spirit that is not to wound them. And you should when you have that chance. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. When our words are not about us, but they're about other people, when they're about building up other people, then there's a greater chance that that's a should talk moment. Not idle flattery, but a true compliment, a true bit of encouragement. That's a should talk moment. Proverbs 15, 23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Apt words, right word, right time, right place. How do we get that down?
We are to be in a conversation constantly with God. Uh, I'm thankful to Pastor Marta for sharing this concept with me. Three-way listening. Three-way listening, that while you're listening to someone else, you are also listening and in conversation with God. And a lot of times it goes like this. Lord, I'm hearing something here that I might be able to say something about. Should I? And I've had it go both ways. Sometimes I have felt the Spirit say yes. Encourage them. Yes, share a word with them. Share a story that shows you understand. This is a good should talk moment. Equally often, and often surprising at times, I've heard the Spirit say, don't say a word. Right now you just need to be the ears of Jesus. You don't need to fix this. I can fix this. I've got this. Today you're just the instrument that shows this person they can talk and someone's not going to jump on them to fix them. We'll get around to the fix. I'll use someone else probably. Someone smarter. I was in a conversation recently uh, with a big group of 20-year-olds, and they were talking a million miles a minute. Their conversation was swirling from topic to topic, from uh, health to entertainment to politics to history and to spirituality and back again. It was, a, it was a hurricane of conversation topics. And I was sitting there listening to them and I was thinking things like, you know, they love TV shows as much as I love TV shows with that intensity, but it's just different TV shows. In fact, their shows sound really interesting. I should look some of those up when I get home. And then I thought, oh man, these guys get really worked up about stuff that doesn't matter that much. They'll figure it out in a few years. I was the same way when I was their age. And I thought, wow, these guys really value their friends. I think I've lost some of this. I need to call my friend when I get home tonight and get together. And suddenly I realized I'm the old guy at the edge of the circle with a glazed look and half a smile and nothing to say. And as it turns out, it's not because I'm senile and it's not because I don't understand what's going on and it's not because I can't follow and participate. Precisely the opposite, I am listening. Because you get smarter by listening than talking. And I'm taking it in and I'm letting people younger than me remind me of experiences and lessons that I've forgotten and I'm living them again. I'm the old guy at the edge of the circle not saying anything because I shouldn't. I wait for my should talk moment with the Lord. So that's what was going on in my family at the picnic and Christmas dinner all those years. No wonder Proverbs 16.31 says, Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It's attained by a righteous life. Let us pray together. Father, appropriately, we offer a short prayer to you this morning. May you teach us the difference between can talk and should talk. May you send us these tests and experiences, Lord, that make us wise. May we consider as we consider our words and our silence others as greater than ourselves. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Next week, we'll explore this book of wisdom to learn about how to find and keep valuable friends.
This message will be especially for men about friends and how we get in trouble with friends because we think about it totally the wrong way. So come back. It's going to be very, very uh, interesting because I'm just taking stuff I learned and now sharing it with you. Let's stand together. This is a should talk moment. We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed. This is a foundation of our faith that binds us together. If these aren't things you believe, you certainly don't have to recite it with us. But as you read it, think about what would it mean in my life to believe and live by these things? And in light of communion this morning, um, let's use this to remind us that we are all together. Every time it says I, just this morning, let's replace it with we. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. May you go forth in wisdom.